Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Ubar Church Leadership Podcast. Don, I'm here with Don Grafham, mm-hmm. who's just my favorite. But Don, I was just <laughs> thinking about this. In Minnesota, do you feel bad when people shoot birds? Oh, well, that's... Uh, that's pheasants. A good, if, if pheasants. Pheasants. Uh, they're probably free game. I don't know. They don't come to my backyard, so <laughs> I don't have quite an emotional. Now, if somebody was taking down a chickadee or a cardinal, yeah, yeah. I mean, even but you'd be mad. People wouldn't do that. No, they don't. They do don't that. do that. I no. don't think they do no, that. No, they don't. I had one fly into my window a couple of weeks ago. I, oh, just broke my heart. Oh, and they. Didn't make it. They didn't make it because I later looked down and a squirrel was, well. Okay, all right. Anyways, moving on. We are in Minnesota, the Midwest, so people understand animal. They sure do. and Circle of life, the circle of life. Let's look at it that way. (laughs) Anyways, let's get into it here. Today, we're talking about delegation, the art of empowering other people to accomplish something that maybe we can't accomplish on our own. We'll see how you define it as Mm -hmm. we go about. But we're talking about delegation, and this is something I think every person can get better at and learn from as leaders. So let's learn how we can do it better. Mm-hmm. So maybe Don, why don't you tee this one up? Yeah, well, just to even start, I do think this is a felt need for every leader. I mean, even I personally can go on a kick for uh, an hour, a day, a week, maybe even a month where delegation is kind of front and center. I think about it, I get good at it, but I always, and I'm not like, exaggerating, I always revert back to just doing it myself and forget to delegate. And today we're going to look at six different lessons. And I didn't come up with this title, but kind of from the Jethro principle that a father-in-law teaches to his son-in-law that are this ancient teaching of wisdom where he sat down and taught someone, he taught Moses on how to be a better leader. And if we put these in our leadership today, we could be better leaders. So I'm looking forward to diving in on this this topic. Yeah, I'm I'm excited too because I think, you know, I was thinking about as we were approaching this topic, ways that I struggle with this in my personal life. And we'll get into mm-hmm. these kind of examples. But mm-hmm. last year I taught my son how to mow the lawn. Mm, that's important. And he didn't love it. Mm. Partly the type of mower we have and it's a whole thing. But also mm-hmm. I probably micromanaged him too much. You know, yeah. I like it mowed a certain way and here's the direction to head and yeah. here's how the line should look. Are, they, are so, you particular about lines? No, I mean, but I have a no, but I mean mm. I have a I have a route, you know, that's the right <laughs> right way to go. Gotta you gotta have a route. So teaching him and just learning how to delegate and empower. And, uh, you know, when it comes to leadership things, I mean, I don't mind handing things off that feel meaningless, but things that are meaningful mm-hmm. and things that I care a lot about, oof, mm-hmm. that's hard to delegate. And so, you'd, you'd put mowing in that category. Well, no, that oh. was a personal example. <laughs> oh, okay. There's other more important work examples. Okay, okay that's yes. good. <laughs> um, but anyways, okay, Don, why don't, you, why don't you dive into the scripture here then? Okay, we're going to go right through Exodus uh, 18. And this, this passage, I was sharing it with the campus pastors just a couple weeks ago as just a reminder of the way that we give away our leadership and how we do that through delegation. And as I read back through this text, this is a story that many people will be familiar with. I just read through it and I'm like, this is an amazing text. I mean, this whole passage is so packed that I just extracted six different lessons from it. And so we'll walk through it. But essentially what we'll do today is I'll just read a little uh, chunk of the passage and then you and I will talk about it and we'll just do that, well, about six times. So let me dive in with... Uh, verse 13 there in uh, chapter 18. The next day, Moses took a seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? 
Moses answered him, because the people come to me and seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. And so the first lesson that I'll pull out of this one is that we want to do it ourselves. Why, why do we want to do it ourselves is a pretty complex but significant answer that I think that all leaders kind of battle through is that we just want to do it ourselves. Moses wanted to do it himself. Why? Because the people were coming to him. And I think the people sometimes just come to you or they come to me and they bring forward a problem. And so we just take it upon ourselves to solve it. Now, here's a real life story that happened a, a couple of weeks ago is that I had a leader call me on the phone and said, I got a problem for you. Now, to be honest, when someone approaches me that way, I have a mixed response. The first is, and we've talked about this on the pad, podcast, like let's treat this as a day of a therapist. And there's another problem. I, I can't be intimidated by that. That's what I'm called to do. And I do like problem solving. I like problem management. I think leaders kind of move toward problems. But there's also another side like, oh man, I don't know if I have the energy. I don't know if I have the time for this. Uh, is this one gonna put me on tilt? Uh, so I have mixed kind of thoughts when somebody comes forward and says, I have a problem. So this person calls me, they said, I have a problem. They unpack the problem for me. And I immediately had a few thoughts about how to solve the problem. But I did something that I like never do. But I did do it that day. I said, this brilliant or exhausted answer, I don't know where it came from, but the answer that I gave to him is, well, what do you think we should do? What do you think we should do? I think it's like seven words. What do you think we should do? <laughs> and he unpacked an answer that was way better than the answer that I was going to give anyway. And I, I hung up the phone and I thought, why don't I do that more often? Like, why don't I empower people to give the answer? And it's because I do like giving answers. I do like solving problems. But that in itself is a problem, is that it takes away somebody else's uh, leadership muscle and strength to develop a solution for a problem. And I just committed that day, like, I need to get better at just saying, what do you think we should do? And to be honest, I don't remember saying it in the last few weeks, yeah. you know, even though I committed to like changing that. I'm not sure that I've actually put that into practice, but but I, I think I have to get better at saying, what do you think we should do? Yeah, that's so good. I, I you know, you said initially we want to do it ourselves because we all have ego. Mm -hmm. So ego is often seen as this negative, uh, narcissistic side of who we are. That's that's a part of ego, but ego is just this identity we all carry and we have to wrestle mm -hmm. down. It's the self, yeah. how we see ourselves. Right. And so when people do come to us with problems looking for answers, that's naturally like a power dynamic that's happening. Mm -hmm. And it feeds the ego yeah. in a sense of importance. Not Again, it's not bad mm -hmm. to solve problems for people. That's right. not what we're getting at. Yeah. Or to even be the person who's coming up solutions for someone else or to be the leader but it does have the potential to feed the ego in a negative sense. And mm -hmm. suddenly we start to feel more important, more powerful. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I kind of like that feeling. I like being looked to as someone who's this you know, person coming up with all the solutions. Yeah. And we all have to wrestle that down mm -hmm. because no one person is capable of doing it all themselves, mm -hmm. including... Moses. Yeah. So that's anyways, right. why don't you have point two here? Okay, number two goes down to verse 17 here. Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you, what you are doing? Now, I think Moses is telling Jethro this, feeling pretty good about himself, by the way, that people come all day long and I get to help solve their problems. But 
The answer that Moses gives is so good in 17. He replies saying, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. And so just this idea that there's a confrontation between Jethro to Moses, I love that he has that kind of mentor in his life to actually say it, which we could even talk about for quite a while. But if we keep doing what we're doing and solving everybody else's problems and kind of taking it upon ourselves, which I think leaders just naturally do for good and for bad, is that burnout is a real possibility. And I think we should just talk a little bit about burnout because that's a popular topic in today's society. It has been for a while. But quick side note, I love that there's a conversation about burnout thousands of years ago. I think a lot of times we think burnout's kind of this new phenomenon. It's, oh, post-COVID, how is everybody going to keep up? But and honestly, honestly, this has been going on for thousands of years, that leaders have been burning out all the way back to the days of Moses. Jethro could see it in his eyeballs, and he says, hang on, what you are doing is not good. And so I'll bring you, I'll, here's a little story to kind of tee up what your thoughts are on, on, on burnout, because I think we can talk about what does it look like and how do we get ahead of that. Uh, but you and I were sitting down to lunch uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was another person at lunch with us, and I was telling you about a couple of the things that have recently been added to my plate. And, you know, they were kind of crazy. I mean, they were, there was a ton of things. They had a lot of emotion to them. They were uh, emotionally charged. And I'm telling you these things, and you say, well, Don, just so you know, you're no hero. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just like throw it out there. You're not a hero. And I was like, well, I think you're, yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, I, I know <laughs> yes. I'm not a hero, but I was looking for a little more encouragement. <laughs> like, wow, this is hard. And you're supposed to say like, oh, that must be hard to be you. And is there any way I can help? But you don't give me any of that. You just take another bite of your pizza and say, you're no hero. <laughs> and you like said it multiple times. So I really got it. But it actually was something that I thought about after the fact. I told you, I just brought it to my counselor. So like, am I trying to be a hero? I don't feel like I'm trying to be a hero. But if I keep doing those things and I never say no to anything, and if I don't learn how to be a better no-sayer, I could burn out. And I don't want to burn out. Now, one last note, and I'll let you jump in on this, is that I do like to run things really hot. Like... I'm probably afraid of getting bored, to be honest. So I do like to keep things in the red zone. And in general, that's exhilarating for me, but that can create a problem. As you know, you and I pass out. So yes, right. <laughs> it's something right. to be careful. Right. So help us think about burnout a little bit. Yeah, well, I've got a question for you because it's something I taught on recently in the weekend, talking about work and just as I was processing generational viewpoints when it comes to work. But do you think this is different mm-hmm based on age, mm-hmm. stereotypically. I know it's not always true, but you know, I'm an older millennial, you're a Gen Xer, right? Yep, yeah, Gen true. Xer. Yep. And but then we've got this whole nother generation of Gen Z and now Alpha. And so mm-hmm. everyone's kind of framing up work and where it fits into their mm-hmm. mindset. Because one of the things I just to show my cards, one of the things I laid out is that stereotypically older generations were driven to work more. Yeah. And so then naturally they 
ended up facing kind of a reckoning with that amount of work. Mm-hmm. You know, senior pastor, our ex-senior pastor Bob Merritt talked about that for himself, or we've been reading Carrie Newhoff's book, and mm-hmm. they're a little bit older generation. They pushed and pushed and drove and drove and drove and then poof, crashed. Yeah. So they, they had to recover from that. Mm-hmm. Now, because younger generations have seen older generations face into that kind of burnout feeling, one of the things I say, and again, I'm older millennial, I'm saying this to my direct mm-hmm. report saying, that doesn't need to be our story. Yep. So let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Now, the potential is that we end up working way less. Or yep. we, you know, you talked about where you operate best and, mm-hmm. and maybe we're like, well, you know, 20 hour weeks seem great. And mm-hmm. ooh, if I have to work a full 40 hour, ooh, that's a lot of work. You know, right. suddenly our perspective might change a little bit too. But yeah. I think what's happening is that people are trying to find the right balance, but it's not always easy to do. No. And sometimes inevitable for people. Sometimes you do carry a lot for a season. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I would add is that's that what might feel like burnout to some people mm-hmm. is just a season of pushing really hard. It's mm-hmm. a season of training. It's a season of expanding your capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, I use the example of when we, when you have a kid, you know, it feels like the hardest thing in the world to add a kid to your life. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, how could I possibly have two? Yep. And then you have two. Mm-hmm. And then some people keep going and they just add and like somehow they figure it out because their capacity has expanded. Yeah. And I think sometimes... As younger leaders, I would say, we don't always know what that capacity is. So it feels like burnout is just a, a season of challenge and a season of, of pushing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to unpack this one because I do think even generationally and just where we're at in history, work and personal life is much more blurry. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you think about the work from home phenomena where you're sitting at your kitchen counter, maybe you go put the dishes in the dishwasher and then you're back to work and then you go move the laundry over. Like the li- It's blended together. It's not like you go to work at nine o'clock, you unplug at five and then you never see work and you just focus. I mean, our, our lives are much more blended together. So it's sometimes even honestly harder to count hours. It was Well, I worked most of that hour, but I didn't work all of that hour. But I, I do think there is this pendulum swing, like you said, from maybe an older generation view of saying, uh, I need to have the can-do spirit. Mm-hmm. And I did grow up learning about, say yes, be yeah. a can-do person. Whatever it takes, you're going to get the job done to more of a recent generation that talks about boundaries and making sure that we keep work and home life detached or separate. And somewhere the answer's in the middle. Yeah. And I don't know that any one person or one job is very clear to say, like, this is the black and white answer. So I think every person has to pay attention to their job. And this is an overused analogy, but it's a good one, is paying attention to the gauges of your life. And you have to recognize where you're at when you are getting into the red zone too far. And you also need need to pay attention that I'm not getting challenged and I'm actually not even giving my full 40 hours to my work. And I need to talk to my supervisor about that and say, I... I need a greater challenge. Pour it on a little bit more or figure it out for yourself how to up that challenge for yourself. And one last thought on this is sometimes I think we have to look at our work span in a two-hour or a two-week span or even a four-week span of, yeah, I might work 60, 70 hours this week, but next week's going to be a lot lighter. Yep. And so maybe it's worth looking at a two-week or a four-week span and and making sure that you work full-time jobs if you have a full-time job. <laughs> and then also take the time and make sure that you are staying balanced. Yeah. We want all leaders to be in this for the long haul. Yeah. And so managing this is super important. 
But everybody has to do it a little bit differently. And by the way, you're responsible for your burnout. Yeah. It's not your supervisor. It's not Tyler's job to manage you and me. Right. I mean, we have to manage our own schedules. That's an yeah. important part to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. All right, why don't you take us to number three? All right, number three comes from verse 20. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. Now, this is just a quick little uh, note that Jethro teaches Moses to teach those that he's about to delegate what to do. So instead of just chucking it over the fence to somebody and saying, hey, this is yours to go figure out, let me know when you're done, I think this is a great principle from, from Jethro to Moses to say, teach them, teach them how to do that. And you know, sometimes we have the kind of the classic, watch me do it, do it with me, let me watch you. And I think that's a great way to teach people how to do it. And I do think uh, leaders can be guilty of just kind of saying, they're not actually delegating, they're avoiding. Yeah. And there's a difference between avoiding yeah. and delegating. And if we take the Jethro principle to mind, it's first teach them how to do it and then delegate it to them so that they're successful in doing what they do. Yeah, this separates good to great leaders, I think. I was thinking through just all the leaders I knew going into this point, and you're one of the great leaders, I know. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I started 12 years ago, we were teaching some new employee, or not new employee, um, new attender type of class. And this is what we did. I mean, I watched you teach it. The next time you had me co-teach with you. So we went through it together and prepared together. And then the next time you let me teach it on my own with you sitting there. And I think the fourth time you you know, you know, stopped showing up Disappear. at that point. <laughs> just, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but truly, and that's what separates good to great leaders. Good leaders mm -hmm. will say, yep, go ahead, do it. You can do it, You know, mm -hmm. cheer you on, but I'm not going to show you how to do it. Yeah. And then people are really left feeling like trying mm -hmm. to figure it out on their own. And mm -hmm. we think that's empowerment or delegation. Mm -hmm. It's just bad leadership, actually. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm guilty of this too, by yeah. the way, because it takes a lot of effort and time. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's just easier to say, can you just do this? And they're like, I have no idea how, but I'll figure it out because you're my boss and I need to say yes and mm -hmm. all those things. But it's not great leadership. Yeah, even just to highlight something you just said, so much about delegation requires time. Uh, again, that's different than just ditching something to yep. somebody because if you're really appropriately delegating, you are taking time to do it. And you even talked about this morning as we came in, you're actually having to scoop some things up because you don't have time to delegate. Yeah. And maybe even say just a little bit about your morning today. Well, I mean, there was a situation where I thought I had delegated something. Mm -hmm. And this person who was trying to represent the other person was saying, no, I don't think she knew anything about it. And there was a deadline approaching. And so... So literally, all I felt like I could do with mm -hmm. about 20 minutes was to say, I'll just do it. Mm -hmm. I'll just do it. Yeah. I don't think I was, I wasn't the right person to do it. And I mm -hmm. probably did worse of a job than she could with just a little bit of an extra nudge. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sometimes you're just at a point where you feel like I don't have an alternative other than to do it myself. Now, I'm not yes. going to burn out as a result of that, but it certainly didn't help this other person mm -hmm. who maybe needed to pick it up where I yeah. did, but anyways. Well, I would say this is part of my problem with delegation is I can't get far enough ahead. Yeah. And so this is like a real practical, I mean, honestly, tomorrow morning I'm leading a meeting, it's a two-hour meeting, and I haven't delegated anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> now, Maybe this a, podcast will inspire this you. This should inspire me, I know you <laughs> Let's would Let's get them on the phone. That's the problem with delegation is we think about it, we know yeah. about it, but then we don't do it because, yeah, yeah. well, why not? It takes time, it takes effort. And I think this is a good reminder for myself and all of us to get better at getting ahead of teaching 
And the more we can pre-think what's coming down the road, the better we can be at delegating. Okay. Yep. All right, so we want to do it ourselves. We know that we don't want to burn out, and yep. so we have to teach people teach what's next then, what's the fourth yeah. thing. Verse 21, select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. And I think this is that number four is select and appoint leaders. You have to select and appoint great leaders, and we could spend so much time on this because this has become a priority for us at Eagle Brook about picking the right leaders. And we could talk all the way through volunteers into the staff culture that we've created. I think we've talked about the hiring event. It's been a little while, but you know, we really only hire people six, I think maybe seven times a year, but we go through a lot of work. A team of people go through a lot of work so that people know exactly who we are as a staff culture. They know who we are as a church. They know exactly what we're trying to do, why we're trying to do it. And then they get to select if they want to keep trying to get a job or they select out. And I do think numerous people select out because they're like, I don't know that that culture is for me, but the people that go through that are the kind of people that we want to have on staff. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think most cultures are able to do that. And I do think this is a good nudge for anybody leading, especially outside of Eagle Brook, is put some language to who you are as a culture, put some language to your staff and a successful staff member and communicate that to people as they're applying for jobs so that the right people come on board. So the way you hire is really important. Uh, they need to know who you are before they come in. And then the development of a pipeline is something that we've put a lot of energy into and I'm feeling very grateful for where we are in our in our place in history here that we now have, I think it's over 15 ministry associates, which are going through a one-year training program essentially so that they could become a pastor uh, next year at some point. So throughout the year, they're going to shadow different people. They're going to have different experiences. They're going to go through a theology book. They have to actually write a paper. Did you know that? They have mm -hmm. to write a theology. I did. And they have to go through all these kind of uh, checkpoints so that they become a licensed pastor and they have sat in our culture for a year. Mm. And we have we had a few people go through that last year. I was just in a meeting yesterday where we talked about, is this person ready to be a pastor? And we evaluated them across nine different objectives. And that person's like, yes, we're, we're ready to move them. So I was in a meeting yesterday morning where we talked about a ministry associate moving from ministry associate to pastor. That's exciting. And then I was in a meeting last night in Leadership X where we had a bunch of volunteers that were actually going through a quiz to fill out our vision culture, hmm. which they didn't do very well at. <laughs> but they had to fill out the vision culture. They had to fill out the different graphs and charts that we have. And there they were talking about it on a Monday night. Hmm. So the volunteers know who we are. Uh, we have a plan for those that get hired. And we have those that are in the ministry associate that are get, getting trained and ready for the future. We have pastoral training that we do throughout the year. I mean, we've invested a lot so that we can be ready to go to the future. Selecting and appointing leaders, a critical part oh, of delegation. Oh, man, so critical. And you, you said it so well. And it, it's, it's selecting the right leaders, yep. you know, having those people in mind and, and pointing them out, and then also giving them real responsibility and mm -hmm. delegating real leadership to them. Yep. So there's a process of finding those people, calling it out in them, and then actually moving them along to to have real leadership and responsibility. You mm -hmm. have the right people mm -hmm. and you can delegate a lot. Absolutely. It's critical. Yeah, and what you just said is so much about intentionality. Yeah. Are you intentional about it? And we keep growing in that area. Maybe that's helpful to another organization that's trying to grow in this way. Absolutely. All right, take us along. 
Uh, number, uh, number five comes from verse 22. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. Now, this is a brilliant uh, teaching from Jethro to Moses about the way leadership works is that you have people, leaders all over the place that are answering and taking on problems, but the tougher ones go up a layer, they go up a layer, they go up a layer, a layer and then the the pickles come to the top. So my fifth point is that leaders get the pickles. <laughs> and you and I use this phrase often. It's when somebody brings us a very sticky, messy, emotional, difficult problem. And at least I do. I don't know if you do this at the end. I'll just say, well, that's a pickle. And like, <laughs> yeah. that's all I have for you. Yeah. I just know that that's a really tough one. And we're going to take some time to untangle that whole thing. But leaders get pickles because other people have made a decision on something and then it raises up uh, another layer. And eventually, when I think about it, probably about 70% of what you and I get, at least speaking for myself, is it's messy, it's gray, and it's emotional. It's difficult. It's difficult decisions. And then about 20% of it, I'm just making these numbers up, but about 20% of that I bring up to my boss, to Tyler or to Jason, and so if you think about what Tyler and Jason get, they get the toughest of the toughest of the tough, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll often start that off for Tyler, like, well, this is the joy of sitting in your chair is mm-hmm. you get to solve and help me solve this one. Mm-hmm. But those are the most complex issues that they get to deal with. But that, what's brilliant is that's exactly what Jethro talked about thousands of years ago is have as many leaders as possible so that they can help, um, you know, solve those things. But then eventually the pickles will go all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. And then you'll you'll get to deal with those. And I don't know if you can think of any pickles that you've recently had hmm. to to deal with, but do you do you have pickle management? Oh, for <laughs> sure. In fact, I'll just let you in a little insight between myself and and my team, the team of five that I lead. Mm-hmm. We were we got to expend, uh, spend some extended time together at um, offsite, and one of the things we did was go around and affirm one another, but then just talk about some of the ways that we can grow and. You know, ask other people to challenge us in that, and almost to a T, every one of them said they feel really empowered mm. by me. Great, and they feel like I've delegated real responsibility. So I don't even need this podcast. No, you, what are you just doing here? Just kidding. <laughs> but this this is the area that I struggle with. That you can empower so much, and you can mm. say, "Hey, why don't you decide? Why don't you decide? What would you do?" Where they actually do need me to deal with the pickles. The, the they need ones. me to decide yeah. on the pickles. And so what I said to them, just again, letting you in, is like, you guys need to be honest when when this is the time that I need to deal with it. Because my inclination is going to be, not because I don't want to deal with it, but, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to deal with it. That's probably a yeah, part of it. It's true. But there's another part that just says, well, no, I don't think I'm the most capable person of deciding that or coming up with a solution. But they're actually looking at leaders and saying, well, actually, this is a time where I really need you to weigh in and, mm-hmm. and figure this out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, dealing with pickles, it's not my favorite thing to do as a leader. Mm-hmm. It's certainly the the situations that there isn't a black and white answer. It's going to require some nuance and dealing with the gray and dealing with the frustration and making some people upset with the decision you make. But leaders get the pickles. They, mm-hmm. they have to deal with those. It's, so I get with, it. Yeah, it's part of the gig. And I love that Jethro identified it right away. You're going to get the toughest ones, Moses. Yep. So get enough leaders out there to help solve everything else. Yep. And then you'll get the pickle. Yeah, and I, I love <laughs> you know wise counsel. I love asking other yep. people. I love asking for input. But man, yeah. I have a team that will be divided on 
80% of things and really strongly so. And they're not, neither of them are completely wrong. It's just they're seeing the situation from a different angle. Mm-hmm. And so, again, part of the, the difficulty of dealing with pickles is that one side's going to be let down over the other because there isn't a clear cut answer. It's yeah. just a decision that has to be made. Mm. And uh, that doesn't happen with the campus hard. pastors. No, it doesn't. They're always united. Yeah, I'm sure. I <laughs> yes, mean, right. I bring up one issue, and sure. all twelve yes. of them say yes, yes for sure. Awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah, that, yes. that totally, way. <laughs> totally. Yes, yes. Well, yeah. Okay. Anyways, okay. why don't you take us to the sixth and number final six, one here? Number six comes from verse twenty-three. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. I just. Love that. That's such a great vision that Jethro casts for Moses. Number six is that delegation brings endurance to the leader and satisfaction to those that you are leading. And so uh, we've often been, we've recently been talking about like span of care mm-hmm. and we're trying to get better at making sure. I think you just said that you have five people that report to mm-hmm. you. I have six people that report directly to me. And there was a period of time that I was overseeing the 10 campus pastors. And then we decided to add a layer because span of care matters. And I was able to oversee 10 people for a while, but it wasn't best for them and it wasn't best for me. And so adding a layer and bringing down the direct reports has been super helpful for me. Some people can oversee a lot more people than I can for sure. Uh, But span of care really matters. And if you want to be in leadership for the long haul, I think we need to put the Jethro principle into place where uh, you are able to stand the strain and where other people are satisfied with your leadership. So some people might be overseeing too many people. Maybe you need to look at a reorg. Uh, You need to pay attention to how many direct reports you have because there is a certain number that I think is healthy. And if it's over that, then I do think you start to kind of thin out the advice, the leadership that you can give them and so having a good having your arms around how many people you oversee and the way that you care for them is a super super important part of leadership. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I we all want to make it for the long run. We all want pastors yeah. and leaders and CEOs and people who oversee one person or three people or just part of a church and this is the way that people are going to be able to make it. Mm-hmm. Delegation. Yeah. Team relying on other people. And maybe someone's listening and they're a single pastor at mm-hmm. Um, a church with you know 100 plus people and they're the only person. Well, there are people in those seats, mm-hmm. volunteers, mm-hmm. lay people who want to be a part of your team, who want to be given real responsibility. There are people um, within our staff you know, that currently that want more responsibility, that want real leadership opportunities to be delegated to them. And mm-hmm. it's hard for us to see that because we're, like you've said you know, many times, we're busy, there's a lot of things happening. It takes extra work. You have to get ahead. But yet it's the ball game. Mm-hmm. If we don't delegate, if we don't really empower, if we don't give real responsibility to people to take things off of our plate, mm-hmm. first of all, I think that's how God designed the church and the kingdom of God to be like. And we see that all throughout scripture, the way Jesus led his people. Mm-hmm. But it's also the way that we're going to make this yeah. for the long haul. It's yeah. too much, too much to carry for one person. It's too much for Moses, mm-hmm. too much for us. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's, it's a great teaching. I love it. Again, the, the passage just speaks for itself. It's biblical leadership put in context, and you can put it in context today. Yeah. And I think you'll, you'll become a better leader. So just to review it, 
we do tend to want to do things ourselves. Number two, this, this isn't good. It's going to wear you out. Number three, teach people. Teach them how to lead. Number four, pick great leaders, select and appoint them. Number five, leaders get the pickles. So just prepared that they're going to come up toward you. And then number six, delegation brings endurance to the leader and satisfaction to those that you are leading. And I think this is the Jethro principle. If we can follow that, we can be better today as leaders. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Don. Yeah. Great teaching. Let's go delegate. Let's go delegate something. Let's find somebody. Let's do it. (laughs) All right, that's the last podcast of 2022. The next time you'll hear from us, it will be 2023. So that's all we got for today's Eagle Brook Church Leadership Podcast. Subscribe. Let us know how you are growing in this area of delegation. We really do want to hear from you. Email us your thoughts. Let us know. Leave a review. Otherwise, we'll see you in 2023. Oh, yeah.